Let us confess our sins. Blessed be the Holy The light of the risen Christ puts to flight all evil deeds, washes away sin, restores innocence to the fallen, casts out hate, brings peace, and humbles earthly pride. Jesus Christ loves you and frees you from your sins by his blood. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. O God, you gave your only Son to suffer death on the cross for our redemption. And by his glorious resurrection, you delivered us from the power of death. Make us die every day to sin, that we may live with him forever in the joy of the resurrection through our Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated.
Give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good. God's mercy endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my song, and has become my salvation. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord acts valiantly. The Lord indeed punished me sorely, but did not hand me over to death. This is the gate of the Lord. Here the righteous may enter. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The second lesson is in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Word of God, word of life. Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling white clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. 
But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looked in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This is the gospel of the Lord. Maybe seated. I would like to welcome my young friends forward. We've got two things to do with them today. First, if you all of you guys can can line up right here in front of the, the communion table, the altar. Come on, Grace. It's okay. Here, Evelyn, come on, stand with Gracie. <laughs> okay, now we're, this is participatory church, okay? Um, I'm going to give this to them so that you can hear them a little bit better, because you want to hear them, not me. Master, you can hold that for right now. Just sort of hold it out so it kind of resonates for everybody. We've got a couple more people coming, so while they're coming, I can give you guys the instructions, because they'll catch on right away. You might take a little longer. <laughs> So, you know how we did the Christ is risen, he is risen indeed? Well, this is the best. You guys are going to do Christ is risen, and then they're going to do he is risen indeed. Trust me, it's really cool. Look at all of them coming, too. No, that's awesome. (laughs) Because I'm going to sit down, I'm going to have them sit down there, too, in a minute, too, so to do the rest of it, so we're all good. You guys can come up here. Stand here for a minute, okay? And face everybody. Okay, so here we gonna, we're going to go. You guys, you, we'll, let you, we'll, we'll have you practice. They already did their part, so we're just going to hope they catch on. Um, so you guys have to say, he is risen indeed. Okay, say that. He is risen indeed. Okay, you can say it louder. He is risen indeed. So now when they do it, we're going to do it three times. Each time you're going to get louder. And I bet you guys can be louder than all of them. Okay? This is your chance to shout in church on Easter Sunday. So let's go here. Okay? So you all need to say Christ is risen. Then they're going to say he's risen indeed. So I'm going to cue them. Okay? Here they go. Here go the adults. Okay. Now louder than that. He is risen indeed. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. That's it. Okay, that's the first time. Now we, that was practice. We're going to do it three times in a row. So we're going to know Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He's, okay, here we go.
Okay. Now, if you guys can all get find a seat along the front row here, you can stay there, Mom. That's great. I'm going to do, do a fun thing, and I have a cheat in case it doesn't work. You want to sit down, Grace? You can sit by Mommy. Okay, so this is a little bit about when we talk about Easter, we've got all this stuff. We've got trumpets. We've got the flowers that look like trumpets, right? The lilies. That Jesus is alive, Jesus is with us, Jesus is always with us. And so we need to always emphasize the part of Jesus always being with us. So I got a little um, exercise here. Piece of paper, very simple, right? Sometimes we go far away from Jesus. So some people sail away on a sailboat, right? But Jesus is always with them no matter where they go. They, and they're found way far away. Some people... <coughs> Never have to leave their house. Jesus is always there and always with them. Just like the person on the sailboat goes, goes far away to find Jesus, you can also find Jesus right at your house. And you can pray to him every day, and you can pray and give thanks for the food that you have and for your parents and grandparents and your friends and your school and all that stuff. Right? Yes. I think so. <laughs> Everywhere, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of all, um, we, there's a big word called omnipresent. It means present all the time, okay? So, sometimes, oh, could be, that's a picture of Jesus, so Jesus is there definitely. Some people have to go far away on an airplane to find Jesus, right? So they fly around, and then we've been told, um, we've been told by astronauts that when they go up into space, go up into space on a rocket that they're absolutely sure that there's a God and that God is there because the beauty that they see and all of that stuff but what did I start out with? Jesus is always there, right? Jesus is the rock Jesus and the cross represents Jesus, right? so look what happens when we unfold the piece of paper a cross So, so, so you need to remember that Jesus is the cross that is always there for us. And every time you see the cross, you can remember, oh yeah, Jesus is here. Okay? Yeah, there's a, they're all over the place. You know that Jesus is here. There you go. Amen, right? <laughs> there you go. So, just so you all remember that, and you remember every time you see a cross, that that means Jesus is there with you. All the time anyway, but it's just a good reminder for you, right? And I'm, I've got to admit to you, see this one over here? In case I didn't fold it and tear it right, I had another one, another cross already. <laughs> yes, I have a cross on here too, right? All over the place, all the time. Very cool, right? It's because it's church. You're right, Evelyn. Yeah, you can't. He's just omnipresent. Use that big word. You'll blow somebody away. Did you know that Jesus is omnipresent? You can say that to them. They'll be confused for hours. They won't ask anything else. <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay, so we're, they're going to they're gonna do a line-out prayer, you guys. I'm going to say a little phrase, and then you're going to repeat it. You don't have to repeat it really loud. You can just repeat it in a normal voice. But you're going to pray for all of these people here, okay? Here we go. Dear God, Dear God we, give we give thanks for Jesus, for Jesus. And, we give thanks and we give thanks 
that he is always with us. That he is always with us. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. 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 Thank you guys. Come back to your seat with your moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and all that good stuff. to follow, but here I go. (laughs) I'm here this morning to bring a message, a message to you about the amazing day, this amazing day, a message about Jesus' resurrection. At least that's what's anticipated given the way the church looks. Easter, not too many Easter bonnets anymore. I don't think I see any. Everybody get that one? (laughs) Who remembers Easter bonnets? Raise your hand. (laughs) Not too many of them. Maybe we could make a comeback and be trendsetters. But all the special music and the festive spirit and the flowers and the, the just absolute joy of yelling out, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. I think I need to bring an Easter message. But where do I start? And how can I match the hype of Easter, right? Since I don't have that, that guy that guy with the big floppy ears and the white fur. <laughs> Not anywhere to be found right now, right? But I guess I don't have to worry about that too much. It's somewhat reassuring, at least to me, to realize that the first Christian sermon ever preached did not register high on the Richter scale. Now, I understand there's no manuscript of that sermon, and you cannot find a video of it on YouTube or a podcast like you can of this sermon in a few days, a short advertisement. And he even sat in the front row, so I get him into the show. A short advertisement here every week. Israel Kalb, my friend up here in the front row, records the message or sermon portion of the service each week and posts it as the posts the podcast on our website. And you can find the website on the bulletin, so that you can listen to this message if you want to listen to it again. God bless you. Wherever you find yourself, you can listen to it if you can't get to church, or you can help someone who's not able to come to church hear this proclamation every single week. Thanks be to God. Thanks to Israel's efforts and the wonderful way that we're allowed to do that. Now, all the music isn't there because we can't, we didn't pay for the rights to broadcast the music all over the world, but the, the sermon is there because it's my, um, my work, so I can give permission for it to be there. But we give thanks to God for Israel's, um, uh, wanting to do this and make sure that it's up to date all the time. Okay, end of the commercial. Back to the message. That first sermon was what many of you were hoping for this morning and every Sunday morning, right? Short and to the point. So here's the story. When the women who went to care for Jesus came back from the cemetery on Easter morning, they brought with them a word. And they proclaimed that word and the word of an empty tomb and astonishing news, he is not here, he has risen. In other words, Jesus is alive. He has returned from the dead. All Christian preaching begins here. And all Christian sermons or messages or proclamations, not just on Easter Sunday, but every Sunday, a little Easter, are reverberations of this Easter miracle. This news stays with us. All throughout the year, every worship service, I grew up 
with um, the Reverend Dr. Ray Keeley, who's not his, maybe he's a hundred now. I kind of lose track of how old he is. He was preaching well into his nineties. He was from New Hampshire. So he always used to remind us that he, he always used to remind us that every single Sunday was a little Easter, as he would say. And so please remember that and remember that every Sunday. So actually we should probably do that. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed every Sunday because every Sunday is Easter Sunday in a way because we talk about that Christ is risen all the time in all of our liturgies. So maybe that's what we need, where we need to concentrate our time. Another very important fact for this preacher is the first sermon was announced, proclaimed by the women who had come from the tomb where Jesus had laid, was laid to the apostles gathered mourning, who were mourning Jesus' loss. So as the great biblical scholar Jürgen Moltmann reminds us, I'm paraphrasing here, paraphrasing here, if it were not for women preachers, yes, did you hear me? Women preachers, we wouldn't have Easter and we probably wouldn't have the church either. Well, you could also think that this is exciting news and the short sermon, he is not here, but he is risen. That's the whole sermon. He's alive. Would have been well received, right? You would think that the preacher got a good, the preachers got a good review. But the actual response, the translations differ. You can take your pick, but they all communicate the same message. The word proclaimed, the sermon, the message by the first preacher who happened to be a woman seemed to be to those listening, take your pick, an idle tale, empty talk, a silly story, a foolish yarn, other nonsense, or sheer humbug. Why? The women have come with a revolutionary announcement. He is risen. So why did the apostles dismiss this first news of Easter with a wave of the hand? Like, get out of here. What are you talking about? And another thing they had going for them is that they were giving a first-person account. Now, they didn't see him rise, but they knew that he wasn't there anymore. They actually saw that he was not there. Jesus was risen. He had come up and was gone from the tomb. They could honestly say, he is risen, he's alive. Some have suggested that this initial Easter proclamation was poorly received because the messengers were women. This preacher knows that that may be the excuse, but it's not the reason, because I really believe that everyone and anyone can proclaim the word. Given the time period and the practices and the norms of that society as we know them, the gender of the speakers may have had part of the reason that the apostles were indifferent to the message, but probably not all of them. Remember, in the story, the women were confirming. They were confirming a message that Jesus himself had already told the disciples. Before he entered Jerusalem, Jesus told them more than once that he would be killed and that on the third day he would rise again. Either they were not paying attention or they blocked it out and refused to accept and believe because they just didn't want to. When the women came racing back with the news that, that these words Jesus had given them had indeed come true, the disciples should have been prepared and eager and receptive and believing, at least remembering, right? One preacher put it this way. I love this one. Listen carefully. Instead, the disciples yawned, checked their watches, and wondered when the sermon would end so they could shuffle off to breakfast. At the early service, I said, shuffle off for sticky buns. Maybe the news of Easter was simply too overwhelming. 
too overwhelming for them to believe. Maybe that's it. Maybe the news of the empty tomb, the news of the resurrection, the news of Jesus' victory over death is just too good to believe, too good to take in all at once. One suspects, however, a deeper and more complex reason for writing off the women's proclamation. Similar to Jesus' appearance on the Emmaus Road to the traveling disciples in the story that follows this one. The disciples are not merely bored. The scripture tells us that they were slow of heart to believe. Slow of heart to believe. Hmm. So they're not just indifferent to the news of Easter. They're resistant in a certain way, aren't they? One scholar tells us that a clue can be found in what the disciples are called, the name or title that they're given. In this story, initially the writer of Luke's gospel tells us that the woman told the news of resurrection to the eleven, quote. That's the eleven, not even the eleven followers of Jesus, not even eleven disciples of Jesus. But later, Jesus changes their title to the apostles, the eleven apostles. Apostle meaning those who are sent. The line of thought continues. Think about this. If Jesus' story ended on Friday, ended with the crucifixion, if it really is finished when Jesus declared from the cross, it is finished, all done, then the disciples, this odd group of men brought together by Jesus, and we think some women too, even though nobody had the courtesy to write their names down, This group of people brought together can simply be the eleven. After the appropriate rituals and seasons of mourning, they can go back to their life as it was before this guy Jesus came around. In other words, when it is finished, it was truly all done. If the story ended on Friday, then they can be the eleven alumni of the Jesus School of Religion, students of an inspiring, though finally tragic, teacher called Jesus. The whole Easter thing hinges on this, doesn't it? We call resurrection. It seems to me that on the surface, any way you look at it, this is a mighty fragile beginning for a religion that has lasted more than 2,000 years now. We thought Jesus was dead, killed, tortured, executed by corrupt politicians. But the resurrection is where we focus our attention. We continue to focus our energy on that tomb on that morning. On what did or did not happen there, and how to explain it to anyone. How to explain it to anyone who does not happen to believe it already. When it comes right down to it, resurrection does not square with anything else we know about physical human life on earth, does it? When you really think about it, no one has ever seen it happen. Not even that morning at the tomb. No one witnessed the actual resurrection. No one saw it happen on Easter morning. The resurrection is the one and only event in Jesus' life that was entirely between Jesus and God. There was no witnesses to the actual resurrection whatsoever, as far as we can tell. Preacher and teacher Richard Lisher puts it this way, No one on earth can say what happened inside the tomb because no one was there. They all arrived after the fact. Two of them saw clothes, one of them saw angels, most of them saw nothing at all because they were still in bed that morning. But as it turned out, that did not matter because the empty tomb was not the point. Now get this part, listen carefully. Jesus had outgrown his tomb, which was too small a focus for the resurrection. 
The risen one had people to see and things to do. The living one's business was among the living to whom he appeared not once but four times in the Gospel of John. Every time Jesus came to his friends, they became stronger, they became wiser, they became kinder, they became more daring. Every time Jesus came to him, they became more like him. End quote. Those appearances that turned the eleven into the apostles is really what the resurrection is about for me. Not what happened in the tomb, but what happened in the tomb was entirely between Jesus and God. Dr. Lisher again, he says, for the rest of us, Easter began the moment the gardener said, Mary, and Jesus knew, and she knew who Jesus was. That is where the miracle happened and goes on happening, not in the tomb, but in the encounter with the living Lord. For despite our doubts and our denials, our complacency, our indifference, and our self-centeredness, Jesus is alive. No matter how hard we try to keep our Savior down, Jesus is alive. Even we first world Christians with all of our privilege and all the things that we just take for granted, and we sometimes think we know better than anyone else or anybody else in the world, it doesn't matter. Jesus not only corrects us, but Jesus is alive. Jesus survives even us. So for me, it's not only affirming, but it's also confirming. Affirming and confirming that Jesus is discovered walking daily among his own. Among all who were created in the image and with the likeness of God, that's you and me. If Jesus were here today, Jesus would be among, walking among the poor, the outcast, the immigrant, the criminal, and of course the everyday people like you and me. More than all that, Jesus expects that we will walk in the way that Jesus walked. Did you get that? Jesus expects that we will walk in the way that Jesus walked. Walking among the poor, the outcast, the immigrant, the criminal, and of course, the everyday people. And how powerfully, too, that Jesus is alive among the long-suffering Christians of Syria and the Sudan and Israel-Palestine and Iraq and Central America and in our big cities and metro areas and in too many places around the world where so often simply gathering for church and proclaiming their faith is where the danger is for them. These are my siblings in the faith that amaze me most. In the midst of the pain, of pain, in the midst of loss, in the midst of death and dying, in the midst of suffering. But in spite of all that, we also find them singing and praising the risen Lord. Because when hope seems to have left the country, so many of these people still understand that he is alive. To rid ourselves of him once and for all, we must slay him. But slay him and he will rise. Thanks be to God. God raised him up, having loosed the pangs of death, for it was not possible for him to be held by it, to be held by death. That's Acts 2, verse 24. We, we keep crucify him by our treatment of the poor, by our ceaseless intellectualizing, by our rank worldliness. It's not a great world, rank worldliness. You know, the way in which so much that goes on in the world today is seemingly every direction really stinks. Rank worldliness. And we look the other way, and guess what? Jesus keeps rising to meet us, to meet us where we are, and we will not be snatched away. The news of Easter is that in the resurrection of Jesus, one scholar says, God has broken all the vicious cycles of deathliness in which the world finds itself. Deathliness. 
in which the world finds itself. The lyric of Isaiah 65, 17-25 anticipates the weary old heaven, jaded old earth, and conflicted old Jerusalem. All will be broken open by the power of God to new, healthy possibility because he is risen, risen and he is alive. When we face the empty tombs of our life, he is alive. The losses and disappointments, he's alive. The heartbreaks and failures, he's alive. The tragic deaths, he's alive. The long-suffering deaths, he's there and he's alive. The prolonged illness, he's still there and he's alive. The loneliness and despair, he's with us always and he's alive. One scholar called all those things, the losses and disappointments, the heartbreaks and the loneliness and the despair, our doubts and our wondering if God is really there or even if God really exists. All of these, all of these are our empty tombs. And those tombs are our Friday lives. And please know that Jesus shares them with us. But Jesus also shares Sunday and Easter and all the little Easter's and resurrection and new life and new hope for each one of us. It wasn't a one-time thing, the resurrection of Jesus. It was instead the dawning of a new day and new life as well. And that new life that happens again and again and again. He is alive. He is alive and he has been set free. So too have we been set free. Free from death and all of its forms. Free from fear. Free from despair. And free from apathy. My message to you today, siblings in the risen Lord. We cannot linger in the graveyards of hopelessness and resignation. We must seek the living Christ. For he is to be found walking with us in our midst. As we continue to build the kingdom as the risen Lord did himself. Especially among those excluded and marginalized and discriminated against. The true resurrection, astounding and incomprehensible as it is, forms the very core, the center of our faith. That Christ died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. All praise and glory to the risen and redeeming Lord who was and is and is to come again in victory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Happy Easter. You have greeted us in our brokenness and nourished us with the body of Christ broken for us. Risen to new life with you, send us now to bear your healing love into the wounded world. In the name of our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. And now receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and always and unto ages of ages. Amen.